Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Throwback Thursday. My name is Ryan Doze. I am your host. This is Across the Bifrost, where we explore the world of Marvel's mighty Thor. I am excited to jump into three more issues of Journey into Mystery today with you all. I hope that you're ready to dig in. Before we get started, I just wanted to say... We could use your help. We could use your help supporting the show and getting more people behind the show. Really, the main way we do that is reviews, ratings, and subscriptions on iTunes. So if you have not yet done that, please, that would be a big help for us. We would appreciate it. Go over there, subscribe, rate it, five stars, give us a review, and that will help us out a lot. Also, don't forget... We drop episodes every Monday and Thursday. And if you subscribe to us on iTunes or you follow us on Spotify, you'll never miss an episode. Every Monday, we try to do interviews and interesting conversations around Thor and people who are engaging with the character, whether it's through things like cosplay, action figure photography. We've even got a few top five lists coming up. We've got low-key reviews every single week that the show is going. we got a lot of great stuff on those Monday episodes, but we are here today to talk throwback. We're here to talk history, Marvel history with Thor in Journey into Mystery. So let's get going and enjoy these three issues of Journey into Mystery. Okay, everybody, welcome to the first issue of this week's Throwback Thursday, Journey into Mystery 89. I have a guest here to break down this issue of Journey into Mystery with me. I brought in my friend Jed uh, to break down this issue. Uh, Jed, just say, say hi real quick to our listeners. Hey, great to be with you. We are going to get into this issue here real quick. Uh, Thor is uh, seen on the cover of this issue in a big, grand pose and posture, very, uh, very heroic looking. And uh, just a little bit about this issue. We get another plot by Stan Lee, script by Jerry uh, Larry Lieber, and art by Jack Kirby. This is actually Jed's first look into an older Thor comic. So Jed, before we get into the details of this issue, what was kind of your, your overall takeaway from this specific story? Um, you know, it, I think one of the big things is because it's, you know, it's, uh, the thunder God and the thug. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, like the idea of Thor, you know, the God of thunder you know, taking on a minor crime thug yeah. is, is a weird thought for me, yep. you know, like, cause, um, you know, I'm used to more of the modern comics and the MCU where it's, you know, like Thor is concerned himself more with cosmic beings and, yeah. you know, like powerful protecting, gods. protecting the nine realms and, and here he is, you know, taking on a, a thug. Yeah. Like just a, a normal crime boss, nothing special yeah. about him. Yes. So, we are going to get into this issue that uh, Jed just mentioned. The title of this episode or issue is The Thunder God and the Thug. So on the first page, we get um, a few panels. Uh, one major big panel that kind of just explains that Thor is returning from his latest adventure. And he is trying to find a way back into the doctor's office 
uh, Donald Blake's doctor's office so that no one sees him. He goes into a, uh, he jumps into a mannequin shop that is on the street level yeah. of his office. <laughs> of course, of course there would be a mannequin off, uh, a mannequin store right, yes. at the bottom of his office. Yes. And this whole like scene coming out is just hilarious. Yeah. So on page two, we see Thor's genius plan go into, go into effect where he dresses up a mannequin in a, like a spare set of Thor clothes. Right, he has. Who, who knows where that came from? Like, yeah, I, I, I always carry a spare outfit of the exact same outfit yeah. that I'm wearing. He, he dresses up a mannequin like Thor and he, he wraps the hammer to the mannequin and throws the mannequin out the window so that the people in the office think that's Thor flying out the window. And of course the hammer returns to him as it's, as it's known to do. And he flies in the window as everybody's looking out uh, the other way and he turns back into Donald Blake. And uh, he has this <laughs> little scene with Jane at the end of the page two where he's like, oh, sorry to keep you waiting, Jane. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the smoothest Donald Blake has ever been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the next page, page three, we get a recap of Thor's origin story again. This is the second... Uh, second time in Journey into Mystery, we get Thor's origin story retold to us. Uh, I I believe that this is just a way for the writers at Marvel to reestablish Thor's origin because again, Journey into Mystery was a book that you would get one month and then you would go a whole month without really reading a new Thor story. So to just establish this new character, they would consistently retell the origin. And um, then we jump back into the doctor's office and um, Jane and, and Donald Blake are having these, this duel of thought bubbles where it's yeah. like, oh man, I want to tell Jane how much I love her. Jane's like, I want to tell, I want to tell Donald Blake how much I love Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anything, anything on this page, Jed, that uh, resonated with you with the, the origin story being retold? Um, no, I think, you know, just kind of like on the lines of yours, you know, this is so early in the Thor run that, you know, like they have to keep reminding people like, this is what's happening. You know, it's, it's, um, and I, and I think that's interesting, you know, just to put yourself back of, you know, um, you know, we're decades after the start of Thor and so 60 to, years. Yeah. So to think about, you know, like what it was like for someone to read this issue and only having, you know, a handful of other issues prior that they've read. Yeah, that constant constant reinforcement yeah, you know, of who the character yeah, is. Yeah, because prior to Marvel Comics, Thor was a Norse god. You know, he's just mythology. Yeah, yeah he wasn't he, he he wasn't reinvented as a superhero at yeah. that point. On page four, we get a hilarious dream sequence from Jane about oh gee golly, what would it be like to be to be married to or in a relationship with Thor? And we get some really <laughs> just odd things. Uh, uh, Jane at one point is cleaning the hammer. She's ironing the cape. She's giving Thor a haircut because, oh, long hair is just so unruly. Yeah. And as we've said in the past on these throwback episodes, Jane is written in the most simplest reductionist way. She is meant to be fawning over Thor. Um, luckily comics have grown and evolved since this time, but Jane is really only here for one, 
purpose yeah. in the in the author's mind. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also just to help contrast um, the difference between Don Blake and Thor. Yeah, yep. Yeah. You know, um, of, you know, he's this awkward guy who probably has a hard time even talking to Jane compared to Thor. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has no confidence in yeah, his yeah, abilities yeah. to be romantic at yes. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And then we, we cut away from Jane's little dream sequence about, you know, oh, how great would it be to be with Thor? And we, we see what's happening on the street below, a, a, a interaction between police officers and uh, this mob uh, this mob boss and his, his crew happens. And Jane pokes her head out and says, oh, my gosh, I hear gunfire. And she says it in the oddest way. Uh, she says, is, is it a gun battle? Like, what? That's just such a weird way to say it. Like, I'm, yes. yeah, it's yeah. no, it's a, it's a gunfight. It's a, it's a gun skirmish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Thor, Thor, uh, what Thor would do kind of pops into Donald Blake's brain. He's like, well, Jane's here. I can't turn into Thor now. On episode five, we go down to the street level and we see that the 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 boss of the the mob side of this conflict has been sh- has been shot he's been wounded and his henchmen need to go find a doctor to take care of him well who's the only doctor we know in journey into mystery uh they they go up to this uh this doorway and there's two buttons of like offices they could go to and uh they press Donald Blake's button they go to his office and they take Jane hostage to force Donald Blake to come with them and heal their boss. Uh, as they're driving away, Donald Blake says, where are you taking me? And one of the mobsters sarcastically responds with, to Sunday school. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah, like the, the cheesy phrasing in this and also just the pure like early comic book convenience of, oh no, we were shot, we need a doctor. <laughs> oh look, we're right in front of a doctor's <laughs> office. Yo buddy, turn around, there's a doctor's <laughs> office over there. Uh, on page six... We see Donald Blake being uh, ushered into the uh, the the quarters of this crime boss, and they're they're talking about how Donald Blake will heal him, but uh, not because of his threats, but because of my honor as a doctor. It's yes. like, no man, it's okay to do stuff because you're threatened, yeah, yeah. you know, with harm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the mob boss we learn his name is Thug Thatcher, uh, which guys just kudos on the creativity of these names yes. what should we name this thug i, I think we got it actually yep. let's just yep. name him yep. thug uh his girlfriend wife we're not really sure what right. the relationship yeah, yeah. is she fawns over this crime boss her name is ruby she's just this ever loyal um you know won't leave his side uh, uh girl and uh, don blake fixes him up and uh, he's on the recovery, and then Thug turns the turns the tables on him. He's like, "Okay, now let's kill him." Like he he knows too much. We don't want him to squeal. And Don Blake has to think fast because though he does not have the body of Thor, he still possesses the keen mind of Thor. Uh, so he he reaches out. He telepathically reaches out to Odin because it's it's 1960s comics. Right. It how convenient that Thor would have this telepathic yes. connection yeah, yeah, yeah. to Odin. Yep. Um, he connects with Odin and Odin, uh, says, you know, my son's in danger. I must do something. And he, uh, on the beginning of page seven, he, 
he mixes together lightning and fire and he creates this zapping bolt to um to strike one of the mobsters holding donald blake's cane which we know when he grabs it and stamps it on the ground turns him into thor donald blake grabs the cane and he turns into thor and instantly the mobsters i love i love how ridiculous these mobs mobsters are, are written hey where did that scrawny guy go and thor's like i was flying by and i threw him to yeah, safety yeah 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 yes. <laughs> Oh man, just the the blatant re- like trying to reason these things, you know. Like, there's clearly like, let's get this written. Like, you know, there was there wasn't a whole lot of like worried about plot holes going on in the writing of this comic. Yeah. It's, hey, Which, what would happen to Donald Blake? I threw him out a window. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, as much as we, <laughs> I feel like can be harsh on like some of this stuff or whatever. Like, this is a lot of the charm of these early comics. Yeah, yeah. They, they are over the top. They are filled with this hyperbolic language and everything's this you know, larger than life. Yeah. I mean, that's what superheroes are. They yeah. they are larger than normal life. And I think it only seems weird because we're seeing Thor in such a mundane, everyday life kind of yes. crime drama. Right. And he's this Norse god of thunder. Yes. Like, this conflict almost seems beneath him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, um, we're looking at it from the perspective of knowing comics today. Yeah. That take a more realistic approach a little bit. Yeah. You know, like, people who read these back in the 60s, you know, this is what comics were. This, yep. you know, You know, there wasn't any difference, you know, of like, well, this is so much cheesier than the Spider-Man episode, like one that I read. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. Or the Batman, you know, they were all pretty campy at this point. Yeah. That's what comics were. So on page eight, we see Thor, um, Thor fight and subdue the, the mobsters, but Thug gets away. He, um, he is trying to es- escape and Thor has this great, great panel it actually as i was reading it it caught my eye i was like oh man that is that is actually really really cool where when the car that thug is in is racing away there's a line of trees along the side of the road and thor just decides to throw the hammer through the trunks of these trees and the trees all fall down and they and they um they trap the car on the road that panel in and of itself it's probably my favorite panel in the issue. Yeah, I would agree. It's it, it's it's a great Thor moment. Yeah, it, it's it's I've talked about this before that it's it's drawn and you can feel the motion of the hammer as the I mean really it's a testament to Jack Kirby as a great author uh, illustrator um, writing or drawing these books. And now in the era of the MCU, like I hear the sound effects that yep. they use. That kind of hollow metallic sound. Yes. Yep. Yeah. On page nine, we 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 go back to Thug and he, he's escaped the, the car and he, he's going away and he kind of figures out that this Don Blake fellow and this Thor guy, they they tend to be in the same place at the same time. I wonder if there's you know something something going on there. So he decides that if he can take Thor uh, if he can take Donald Blake hostage, he can probably get to Thor. So he goes to Thor's, uh, he goes to Don Blake's office to try and capture Don Blake to 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 really get Thor to back off. And he doesn't find Don Blake. He finds Jane. So he holds Jane hostage, and he he gives Thor an ultimatum: 
drop the hammer or I'm going to, I'm going to, as he says, I'm going to shoot the dame. Fantastic. Yes. That ages perfectly. Yes. Um, and Thor decides that he he's, has no choice. He must drop the hammer. And we know from this point in Thor's comics, if he is separated from the hammer for 60 seconds, he reverts back to Don Blake. That's his Achilles heel. Yeah. On page 10, we see the, the conflict between Thug and Thor really uh, escalate as Thor is trying to think, okay, I'm, con- I'm disconnected from the hammer. What can I do now? So Thor is able to throw his voice yes. across the room, and he says, you know, hey, Thatcher, drop the gun. <laughs> and Thug turns around like, hey, who said that? Now, there was nobody else in the room just a few seconds ago, but he's like, hey, who's talking to me? Yeah, yeah. And while he he looks away, Thor grabs the hammer and he is able to kick the gun away from Thug as uh, he does it in this awesome like soccer soccer goal kick. I'm sure I said that perfectly for all the soccer fans yeah, out yeah, there. Yes. He uh, he whisks Jane out the window and um, catches her, brings her to safety on page 11. And on page 11, the um, the chase ensues. Thug is getting away. He's going up this elevator in this uh, this girding of like a building uh, that doesn't have walls yet. It's it's just the frame of the building, and uh, Thor is chasing him. And you get this really really nasty interaction between Thug and his girl Ruby. Ruby is so loyal to him. It's like hey. Don't come back here. I love you. Don't hurt him. Don't hurt Thug. And Thug literally yells down, "You dumb dame. You're nothing to you're nothing but a millstone around my neck." But why is she with this guy? Yeah, yeah. He's a complete jerk. Yeah. It, it's it's so funny. Also like why say that? Like there, yeah, there's yeah, literally he's... no like reason to say that it's just like th- a line thrown in there to, to, probably to get us to get us to dislike him more right yeah, yeah 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 on page 12 we see thor uh stamp the hammer to create some lightning and he melts the the metal uh girding that thug is on thug is not really responding to the threat right at this moment so he grabs a bucket I kid you not, listener, this was written for, this was written by adults for other, for, for, for children in the 60s to read. He grabs this bucket of hot rivets to throw down onto the crowd. And Thor's like, I can't let this happen. This is, oh, this, this dastardly villain. Why would he do such a thing? And while Thug is, uh, is posturing and, and, and threatening, Thor says, okay, I won't come up and get you. But Thor knows that the beam that Thug is on is about to crumble. So Thor's not going to go get him, but he will let him fall. On page, on the last page, page 13, we see Thug fall off the, the metal girding, and Thor catches him, brings him down to safety. His his rampage of crime is done, and uh, we see Thor ask Odin to do a very, I believe, compassionate thing. Uh, at the end here, because Ruby, who is incredibly loyal to this just, you know, garbage person, yeah, he says, Odin, can we like wipe her memory <laughs> so she has no right, memory yeah. of this of yeah. this guy? Yeah, yeah. And um, it really gives you an insight on the powers of Odin. He's able to wipe memories and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, 
but he, he does it and, and now Ruby can go and live her life and be free. Um, and then Thor decides, okay, back to the office. I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, I've gotta go back to the woman I love, but I dare not. I dare not admit it. That like Shakespearean cheesiness. And then we get uh, a little bit of a, of a, of a preview of next, next month's dynamic issue of journey into mystery. So that was journey into mystery 89, uh, the thunder God and the thug Jed, what were, what were your takeaways from going through that book again? Did you pick up anything that you didn't catch on the first time? I mean, number one, there's no subtlety in these nope, comics. Not a single shred no, of know, subtlety. Like, you know, like even there at the end, like, oh, I've got to get back to the office so I can get back to Jane. You know, like there's no like, oh, you think they're going to be a thing? You know, like it, they're laying it on thick. Like, yeah. you know, like this is going to someday is going to be a thing in this comic. There's uh, no reading between the lines. No, no, not at all. Um, and then it just makes me laugh, you know, thinking about other comics and stuff. Like, this random thug is able to put this to put together who Thor is kind of, you know, like, like, Oh, these, these guys are connected, you know? And it's like, based on like a few newspaper articles and stuff. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, it just makes me laugh. Like, you know, man, he, in a lot of comics, that would be an extremely dangerous guy to have around if he's able to put some of those simple clues together to figure out people's identities. You know, you think about all the different, you know, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. He doesn't even wear, like, a mask or anything, you know? Yeah. like I mean, neither does Thor, Right, too. yeah. And so, um, and so those things are just funny to me. But um, I just... I feel like it's just so cool seeing, you know, where comics have come from and what they started out as. Um, and, and, you know, and so this issue is just a, a great example of that, of, you know, like, it only gets bigger and better from here. Yeah. You know, like, to think, you know, Thor's, you know, started off, you know, fighting someone like a thug. Yeah. Um, you know, and then to think of where he's going to go and the villains that he'll eventually face. And, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's cool to have these simple moments. It's, I, it's very easy to say that Thor doesn't stay on this level for long. No. Yeah. He doesn't like mortals with no additional powers do not, they do not threaten Thor for long. Right. So yeah. this is definitely one of those stories that's told to establish him. Yes. It establishes yeah. a lot of his character, how he, he sticks up for yeah. Jane and he sticks up for Ruby. Yep. But but really, we're not meant to think that Thor is threatened by this yeah. this thug. Right. Uh, and that, again, well, that will drastically change yes. um, moving forward. So yeah. that is episode 89 of Journey into Mystery. Moving on to Journey into Mystery, number 90. This issue is entitled, Trapped by the Carbon Copy Man. This was published in March 1963. It features the first appearance of an alien race that pops up a few times in Marvel Comics called the Zarthans. They are really similar to the Skrulls in that their main power is shape-shifting. They can become whatever creature or humanoid figure they wish to. This issue was plotted by Stan Lee and was written by Larry Lieber. Normally, the art for Thor books would be done by Jack Kirby. However, this is the first issue of Thor 
that we see in Journey into Mystery that is not drawn by Jack King Kirby. Instead, the artwork on this issue is done by Al Hartley. Now, Al Hartley's style is is a little bit different than Jack Kirby's. It's not really my favorite depiction of Thor in comics. I much prefer Jack Kirby's uh, artistic approach to the character, but Al Hartley does a good job sitting in for Jack Kirby on this issue. One note from this book before we jump into our page-by-page breakdown is this issue contains the first time that Odin specifically forbids Thor to be romantically involved with or to reveal his identity to Jane Foster. That becomes a perpetual theme throughout the book. So we're going to continue to do our page-by-page breakdowns. On page one, we get a big opening splash of Thor versus this crystallized man, this creature uh, that's humanoid in nature. Uh, It features an alien race named the Zarthans that we referred to just a moment ago. They prepare to go on the warpath. They prepare to go out from their planet and conquest. Now, I will say on this page, Al Hartley's take on these characters is a little jarring. When you get so used to Jack Kirby drawing these characters, even early on in this run, you kind of get really accustomed to how he draws Thor, how he draws villains. And Al Hartley's take, there's a bit little thinner lines. It's not as bold and dynamic. It's very, I would say, pedestrian, very regular, run-of-the-mill comic drawing. That's just my opinion, though. On page two, you learn that the Zarthans are ruled by a emperor king named Ugarth. <laughs> Great. If someone nowadays got named Ugarth, it'd be like, why do your parents not like you? Uh, it's an odd name, and he names his son, his second-in-command, Zano. They lead the Zarthans on their quest using... Uh, They intend to use this power called the Great Power. Just a vague uh, title for their power source. We come in to see Donald Blake as he's contemplating his love for Jane. He, He even says, am I a man or a mouse? Speaking to, is he gonna speak up or is he gonna keep being quiet when it comes to his love for Jane? On page three, we see that Donald Blake is ready to proclaim his love to Jane, and Odin interrupts him. He interrupts him, and he forbids it. He forbids that Donald Blake, a.k.a. Thor, tell Jane that he loves her. Jane continues to long after Thor. That's kind of her her main story arc in these early Journey into Mystery issues. And on the street level, we cut away from the doctor's office. On the street level... We see that people are acting strangely. Instead of driving on the road, people are driving on the sidewalk. That's really odd. You see a few people talking to police officers and trying to figure out what's going on here. Then on page four, we see that this is actually happening across the city in a myriad of different ways. There's polka dots on this giant bridge, which is really strange to people. Instead of going on billboards, we see people plastering advertisements on the side of apartment buildings. And then Don Blake goes back to the office after some time to cool down, and Jane is incredibly angry with him. 
incredibly hurtful and very, very uh, jabbing with her comments, Blake turns into Thor in one of these abandoned alleyways, and he goes on this search to find out what's wrong with people. He decides to go to the mayor's office to see why people are acting so strangely. On page five, Thor is accused by the mayor of, of, of being a menace and being a vigilante. He escapes the mayor's security, and he remembers a piece of wisdom that Odin has given him. And that is to, when you're trying to figure out a problem, to look for the simplest explanation. This leads Thor on a thorough search of the city and its surrounding area, and later on in the day, after he's searched for a long time, he goes to the outskirts of the city, he finds a bunch of trees that have fallen down, and lo and behold, a spaceship has landed outside the city. On page 7, we see that the Zarthans, this is their ship, this is Ugarth and Zano, have come to Earth as like a scouting party, kind of reminiscent of the Stone Men in the original Journey into Mystery appearance of Thor. They capture Don Blake. After Thor arrives on the scene, he puts the hammer down so that he can examine the ship. And what happens is... Thor is magnetically held to the ship and he's away from his hammer, thus turning him back into Don Blake. On page seven, Don Blake has been captured. The Zarthans uh, elaborate on their plan to conquer the earth. You know, kind of that, that villain monologue that they go into. And Don Blake kind of, he feigns trying to help them and he sends them on a wild goose chase looking for Thor. And while that's happening, on page 8, we see that Don Blake is able to grab the hammer and once again turn into Thor. When the Zarthans come back, all they see is Thor, and they jump to confront him. Zano, the son of the Zarthans' leader, turns into this giant ice creature, and he freezes Thor in place. On page 9, we see them... Proclaiming victory over Thor, but Thor is able to bust through the ice, and then Zano tries a different tactic. He tries to turn into one of these ancient warriors of Earth, a gladiator, and he attempts to defeat Thor that way. That doesn't work either. On page 10, Zano is dishonored, he's defeated, he's let his father down, and Ugarth says that he has... He's fought many champions all through the galaxy, and he jumps in to fight Thor and he has this interesting tactic on how to fight Thor. He's not going to turn into any specific creature. He is going to turn invisible. He is really hard to fight if you can't see him. So Thor has this really interesting way of how to combat this invisible opponent. On page 11, we see Thor call down a rainstorm. And while it's raining, the the silhouette, the the outer um, the outer reflection of Ugarth can be seen in the rain. So Thor then uh, hits him with a punch, and he grabs a net that Zano had used to try and fight him when he was the gladiator. He grabs the net and he ties up Ugarth in the net, and he on page twelve he launches him into space past the other Zarthan spaceships, and they take this as a sign, like, oh no, what's going on here? We better retreat, because they just took out, 
he just took out our leader. This Thor guy is someone we don't want to mess with. They actually say in, in one of the panels on page 12, reverse all engines, follow Ugarth, prepare for a space rescue. So they send this fleet after their leader and they leave Earth. But there's a few Zarthans left, Jane, Thor, and the mayor stand around wondering what, what should they do with these Zarthans who are still there. And Thor has a great plan on the last page. He tells them to turn into trees. He says, you can stay on Earth, but you have to exist as trees. And the Zarthans like, okay, we can do that. And they think to themselves uh, that we'll do as he says. And then when he's gone, we can just change back into whatever we want. But the thing is, they have to be able to have that thought to want to change back into things. And Thor knows this. Thor even says, The last chance they shall ever make, for when they impersonate something, they take on all of its traits. Therefore, the idea of changing can never occur to them, because trees obviously can't think. So they turn into trees, and they're just forever trapped, stuck as trees on Earth. We go back to the office where Jane and Don Blake speak again. Jane says, he said to you, he said you helped him, though I can't really see how. Thor had alluded to Jane that Don Blake was a great help to him. And Jane doesn't understand why Thor would say that because Don Blake is not much of a physical presence or help. Don Blake says, well, don't be too disappointed in me. After all, Jane, last panel of the comic, after all, Jane, we can't all be as brave as Thor. And he's kind of like grinning at the, at the reader as it goes to the end of the issue. This is one of those just kind of fun, easy reads, shape-shifting aliens. That seems pretty standard for Thor in these early issues of Journey into Mystery. Last issue in today's episode is Journey into Mystery 91, entitled Sandu, Master of the Supernatural. This issue of Journey into Mystery was put on stands April 1963. And it we have a few awesome first appearances in here. And a few only appearances. So... This issue of Journey into Mystery is the first appearance of Sandu, the title villain. It's Sandu's only appearance in Thor comics. And I think he might have been worth another another few appearances. I, I, I think Sandu's a pretty good villain for Thor, especially this early on in his run. But we never see him again past this issue. And it is the first appearance of the Valkyrie, the famous shield maidens of Asgard, Odin's personal uh, shield maidens. But if you're thinking Marvel Comics later on, if you're thinking uh, the Brunhild or Tessa Thompson MCU version of the Valkyrie, you might be a little disappointed. The Valkyrie do not show up in that warrior way in this issue. They do show up to help Thor, but uh, maybe not in the way you're expecting them to. The last first appearance we get in this issue is the Belt of Strength. It's the first appearance of another piece of equipment that Thor uses throughout his journeys. 
this belt is later called the Majin Gordon. Which I know that may, uh, I hope I got that right. It's the Megan Gordon. It's a uh, Norse word, and it's just the name that's later ascribed to this belt of strength. The plot for this issue was again done by Stan Lee. It was written by Larry Lieber, and we have another guest artist on this issue. So we get a long run of Jack Kirby. Last issue, we got art by. Al Hartley, and on this issue, we get art by Joe Sinnott. Joe Sinnott steps in for Jack Kirby for issue 91 of Journey into Mystery. A small little note about this issue of Journey into Mystery is that Thor and Loki are never seen in the same panel in the same place. Like they're, they're, they're shown worlds apart, but in like real time physical space, they are never in the same spot. And that'll make a little bit more sense when uh, we go through this page by page. So on the first page, we see Odin kind of does a, maybe feels like an unrelated part of the issue, but he opens up the issue talking about this belt of strength. And says that if anyone would, if the Lord of Thunder would ever need it, he has uh, that ability to use it. The opening splash page, we see a giant building floating away and Thor is chasing after it. And people that are in the audience uh, are very confident that Thor can figure this out. On page two, we see that it's a bank floating in the middle of the air. And Thor really doesn't know what to do about this right now. So he goes to an alley and he figures he can, he can scope out what's going on as a man in the crowd, as Don Blake, just listening and overhearing conversations. So he turns into Don Blake, he walks around in these crowds and he is figuring out what's going on. Don Blake says at the end of page two, a building rising in the air and then vanishing People losing physical reason, it smacks of supernatural mischief. And that smacks of the god of evil, my old enemy, Loki. So, Don Blake Thor is very suspicious of these goings-on, giant buildings floating out of nowhere and then just vanishing altogether. And he says, this has got to be, this has got to be some Loki stuff right here. So, on page three, we see Thor go to the top of a mountain and he he begs his father to give him the knowledge to, to, to know the whereabouts of Loki. And Odin tells him, he's, he's here in Asgard. He, he's not on earth. We've accounted for him. He's paying for his misdeeds. And Thor goes away and just really reasons like, okay, there must be some other thing that's going on here. Now, we come to the main villain of the issue. Yes, Loki is in this issue, but Loki is using a magician, a master of the supernatural, known as Sandu, to bring about his mischief and his tricks in this issue. He's making money uh, float out of nowhere, and then on page four we see that Sandu might not be the most honorable guy. He uses his powers definitely for his own well-being. Loki takes notice of this 
and he thinks he can he can manipulate Sandu to do his bidding for this issue because he's locked away on Asgard, but he still wants to get back at Thor. So Loki says at the end of page four, I shall increase this human's meager extrasensory ability. I shall make it thousand times stronger. So he's committed to making Sandu his strong henchman for this issue. On page five, we see Sandu put together these extra powers that Loki has given him. What he's able to do while he's on stage doing a, a magician's act, he floats these the wallets and the money out of these people's pockets and he's able to transport them away from them so he's able to, to, to mind control them and levitate them, but also he's able to make them disappear. We jump forward, Sandu has these bigger uh, aspirations. He goes after a bank. It's actually the bank that we saw just a few pages ago that Thor was chasing after. They kind of tell the story a little bit out of order. And Sandu is is overlooking, uh, overlooking the city as he's levitating this bank away. Thor's chasing it and he makes it disappear. And one of the people in the crowd says, holy Hannah, it's vanishing as the bank is uh, drawn out of the frame. On the sixth page, we see police officers try to confront Sandu for making the bank vanish and, and presumably try to steal the contents in the bank. And Sandu is so powerful that he's able to stop the bullets of the guns as they're shot at him. He can stop the bullets and uh, he even says, with my mental power of levitation, I can control the movement of anything, even bullets. And I'm not finished yet. In the next panel, we see him turn the guns on the police officers and threaten, you know, hey, you're not going to mess with me. I'm much more powerful than you are. You are helpless before Sandu, the master of the supernatural. So in order to get them to leave him alone, he transports them back to the 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 normal the normal world of the the city and the 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 streets and nobody can really remember where they were what was happening they would have no recollection of sandu as well on page seven we see a really really cool panel sandu is on his uh on his tour of mischief throughout the world. He's uh, going after jewelry and money, and he's just doing all these little petty crimes to, to show off his power. And because of this, we see he teleports the remnants of his crime, the, the issue says, to the moon. He, he sends all of the loot and the jewelry and the gold and stuff that he is uh, pilfering from all these people. He sends it to the moon because no one's going to mess with it on the moon. And then we see him even steal a palace for himself. On page eight, we see the military try to respond to Sandu and his, um, his rampant, power-hungry uh, run of crime with these jet fighters and he, he, he dispatches the jet fighters uh, with ease. And the, the pilots eject. They say, man, nothing is going to stop this guy. Not with his power. 
We then see how Sandu goes a little... He goes a little too far. The United Nations building is his next target. He tries to levitate it out of the way after Loki gives him a little bit of instruction. Now that he has come into the open, it won't be long before he encounters Thor. Then I shall have the pleasure of seeing him defeat the Thunder God with the powers I have given him. Look, he's making the UN building rise. It happened so fast, all the delegates were still inside. They didn't have a chance to get out. So Loki is almost guaranteeing that Thor has to respond to Sandu. And then what's the most obvious way to do this? Sandu goes after one of the biggest buildings in the city. And he's almost, he's almost urging Thor to come after him. We see in the last few panels of page 8, Don Blake... Don Blake knows he has to jump in and he has to do something about this. Uh, This problem requires the power of the mighty Thor, he says. On page 9, we see Thor jump into battle and Sandu is threatening threatening all the delegates inside the United Nations building. As we see Thor flying up in the background, Sandu tells them all, make me ruler of the world. And they're like, we can't even do that. But that's not even in our power to do. And then Thor uh, comes onto the scene and he starts fighting Sandu. And Sandu throws a bunch of metal girders at him. And we see Thor get knocked unconscious. As he's plummeting to the earth on page 10, we see him land in this pit. In this, like, it's like a trench underneath the UN building and as Sandu kind of starts to figure out some things he's like oh I could bury Thor underneath the UN building as he goes to do that we see Loki off to the side still in Asgard but we see Loki say at last I have been revenged revenged wouldn't it be avenged I don't know. I have been revenged. (laughs) I gave the supernatural powers to Sandu, and he has used them to defeat my ancient enemy. Never again will Thor oppose me. And then we, we see Thor laying chained up, buried underneath the UN building. And he, he again needs Odin. Now remember, in the first few panels of the issue, Odin talks about the belt of strength. And of course, if they mention it in the beginning, it has to come back at the end, right? Thor says, O mighty Odin, hear these words. Grant me the power to rise again and vanquish my foe. Odin responds with, Long has thy belt of strength been in my charge. Now I shall command the Valkyries to bring it to thee. So on page 11, we see the first appearance of the Valkyrie. Now, the Valkyrie are not dressed in armor, they don't have swords, they're not riding uh, winged horses. They are, as we see, they're two women, uh, blonde women in these dresses. They are floating very angelically down out of the clouds with the belt, and they put the belt on Thor, and then Thor is able to bust out of the chains and bust through um, being underneath this giant building. He does the, the spin of the hammer and he's able to tunnel out and he, he bursts out of the ground and he even says, now it is the moment of my reckoning. 
Loki on the last panel of this page says, Sandu, go for the hammer. You have to get the hammer. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. Then on page 12, we see a really interesting tactic from an early Thor villain. Oftentimes, Thor villains, they have very simplistic tactics. And Sandu actually is able to outsmart Thor for a moment. He, as Thor is throwing the hammer at Sandu to to knock him out, he is able to interdimensionally make the hammer disappear. He makes the hammer disappear and it goes into this other dimension where it can never return from. So Sandu goes to this this pocket dimension and he tries to lift the hammer. He tries to lift up the hammer, but he can't because we know only someone who is worthy can lift up the hammer. Sandu says, the legendary magic hammer, now it belongs to me. I, Sandu, shall wield it. But when the evil human attempts to lift the enchanted mallet, this is Sandu trying to, he's in a squatting position. He's trying to lift up the hammer by the hand. And he says, "Ugh, the thing won't budge. I don't understand. I'll have to use my mental powers and lift it by levitation. So he tries to concentrate really, really hard, really, really hard to lift the hammer so that it can be more powerful than Thor. And he tries too hard. He concentrates too hard and he breaks this link that he has with Loki. Loki is giving him these powers and this concentration he's trying to lift the hammer with breaks this mental bond they have. The narrative says, the frustrated Sandu keeps straining his power of concentration, forcing it, trying to make it do the impossible until finally he causes a mental short circuit. Then, as his mental short circuit happens, the, the, the pathway between the dimensions is gone. We see Sandu jumped right back in front of Thor. Thor grabs the hammer and he says, the hammer, it has returned to me. And then we see Thor quickly deal with Sandu and the cops are nearby. They take care of Sandu and the villain is defeated. We get, you know, Thor wins again, but Sandu tried a very unique tactic that I, I thought was kind of genius. If you can't take the hammer from Thor physically, try to outsmart him. And with these interdimensional powers, it was a really kind of a a genius way to get rid of the hammer. But Thor wins. And at the end, we see that Odin says, whenever you need this belt of strength, you may have it. It's yours to do with what you will. The last panel of the issue is all Loki. Again, he's in Asgard, and the last panel says, in a remote part of Asgard, we see Loki say, that brainless mortal, referring to Sandu, if he had not tried to lift the hammer, Thor might have been defeated, but I shall still find a way to defeat Thor, for I have all eternity in which to scheme. The end. That is Journey into Mystery number 91. I really did enjoy this issue. It was odd at points, but I really enjoyed Loki using someone else to try and defeat Thor. And again, I think 
Sandu actually might have deserved a few more appearances with his, his his magic and his trickery and trying to outsmart Thor as opposed to um, try to best him physically. I really did enjoy that. I, I will say this. I do look forward to the point where Jack Kirby comes back <laughs> to the artwork. But that does it for this week's uh, look into Journey into Mystery, the three issues we covered. I hope you enjoyed them. I hope you uh, got a laugh out of them. I hope you learned from them. And maybe uh, you just expanded your world of knowing more about Thor. That does it for the episode today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed all three of these issues of Journey into Mystery. I want to thank Jed for stopping by and talking about the uh, the Thunder God and the Thug with us. And I hope you enjoyed the other two issues as well. I just want to give you a reminder, every Monday and Thursday we drop new episodes. Subscribe, rate, review the show so you don't miss anything and so that more people can get behind the show this Monday, we have another great guest stopping by to talk Thor's world with you. Also, another great way that you can support us is by following us on social media. On Instagram, we are at Across the Bifrost. And then on Twitter, we are at Across Bifrost. If you want to be a part of the show, we have a link in our show notes where you can leave us a voicemail. You can leave us a little bit of a recording and tell us some of your thoughts about Thor. Tell us some of your thoughts about Loki, uh, the TV show. We want to hear from you. You can do that in the show notes. Click the leave a voice message link there. We would love to have you be a part of the show. So as always, everybody, I cannot wait for you to join us aboard the Rainbow Bridge next time. Have a great rest of your day. And remember, stay worthy, friends.